This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 9, Episode 15, Birds of a Feather. And let's start it off with some announcements. If you have not already gone to our social media or our website to check out the art for Cyrus Finch, you should do it. It's great. Uh, We delayed releasing Cyrus's art for a little bit after the last episode because we wanted to preserve the surprise of him actually being alive and waking up. But it is out there. It is up. And you can even go to our Facebook page at Essential NPCs and check out the updated banner, which shows all of the characters that have been in Series 9 so far all together as one big happy family. (laughs) So with announcements all done, let's move on into Words with a GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with a GM Hello. is about Series 9, Episode 14, Taking Liberty. In the last episode, we saw the players make a swift escape from the Factory Town Militia, which is actually a pretty big feat. It's a testament to Juliet and Clayton's abilities, enhanced as they were from Clayton's lithe power, that they were able to make relative short work of the militia they put in their sights. There's plenty of places around Manifest that have little to no law and order. However, factory towns are not any of those places. And more often than not, misbehaving in a factory town is a dangerous notion. There's more than a couple organizations in factory towns that are tasked with keeping the peace. There are eight factory towns around Manifest. Each one is run by a governor. Right after the departure, Manifest fell into a prolonged conflict known as the Factory Wars. At the end of it, the eight governors of Manifest's factory towns signed a treaty establishing the universal law of the land. Technically, every inch of Manifest is claimed by a factory town. The governors divvied up the planet into eight territories, one for each city. Every factory town has its own militia. They serve as their governor's army. They man the city wall, they occasionally patrol the nearest most settlements, and they serve as a deterrent for bandit activity near any factory town. The militia are very well armed and really only answer to their governor. And seeing as pretty much every governor is corrupt, that means the militia is prone to corruption at every level. We see that a little bit here in this episode. That guard tower appeared to be working more for the O'Malley family than the governor of Liberty City. Now, we saw in the Glenspire episodes that factory towns don't rely entirely on the militia for law and order. They do, in fact, have sheriffs and deputies. Even if their law offices have more personnel and red tape than all of the settlements in any given territory put together. Factory town sheriffs and deputies are the police force for the cities. They investigate internal crimes, while the militia focuses more on external threats. Another branch of a factory town's sheriff department is the marshals. A factory town marshal has a nearly limitless scope of jurisdiction. The marshals primarily assist the settlements closest to the factory town with their internal law enforcement, assisting local sheriffs when necessary, and in some cases, serving as the only law for miles. Not every settlement has the privilege of someone in town stepping up to wear the sheriff's badge. In general, 
Drifters do tend to avoid factory towns when they can. The laws there almost seem purpose-built to allow for abuse of power, and that attracts all sorts of unseemly people to the militia and the factory town sheriff's department. By definition, the drifter life is one that embraces freedom, and it's near impossible to find an inch of freedom under the rule of the governors. That's why most games in Manifest will likely take place in the settlements more removed from the cities, where folk can adhere to their own laws and customs. That is, until a militia battalion rolls through town demanding supplies, or a crooked marshal hijacks a settlement's sheriff and deputies for his own personal agenda. But those kind of situations are just the kind of problems drifters can make a fistful of spurs solving. The trick is making it out of those encounters with your life intact and without a bounty on your head. The PCs in the last episode may have made it look easy, but had they hung around for a couple more combat rounds, things could have gotten pretty messy. And that daring escape wasn't the only thing that happened in the last episode. There were a lot of great moments. So I want to move on and talk about favorite parts. Addie, what was your favorite part of the last episode? Well, my favorite part could have been any number of them because there was so much great stuff as like the player of Juliet to do. There was the whole spectrum of emotions and a great episode and super fun. But I do have to say that my favorite part actually was our little tangle with the militia for a number of reasons. Juliet uh, narratively was just like waiting to just unleash um, as is her way with mourning um, because Cyrus has very much a tempering effect on her very defined justice whereas uh, once he's gone uh, all of that tempering goes out the window. Also she had her new cool big guns uh, and I hadn't shot anybody in a really long time so uh, just all around that whole scene was really fun for me. I got to do kind of the reckless thing which is something that Juliet hasn't done uh, very often. And, and so I was quite pleased. Yeah. She had a lot of pent up righteous anger that she had to vent. Uh, <laughs> and it was great seeing her like just jump up and, and start mowing down people with every pull of a trigger. So that was my favorite part. What was yours? I'm going to do a little bit of a cop out because my favorite part isn't just one singular moment. It is a series of back to back moments that begins as soon as Cyrus wakes up and ends as you guys are leaving your little hideout in the forest and hitting the road again. That whole sequence is just full of mo of moments that was that make me laugh out loud. I was ear to ear smiling while editing it and then I listened to it again after the after I was all done editing and it's just everyone has so many great moments in that. I mean, you get the cathartic release of Juliet uh realizing Cyrus is alive. The comedy of it and uh, on top of that, Clayton's confusion with everything, followed immediately by Cyrus kind of trying to get everyone up to speed on his really, really elaborate grift that he's got planned to pull Eliza Valancourt over to your side. And then Juliet and Clayton get to kind of rub it in his face that uh, he's overplanned for this situation. <laughs> And everything everyone did was so entertaining. And I, I couldn't pick just one of those moments out of that sequence. So that entire, I don't know, eight to 12 minutes of the episode, <laughs> that's my favorite part. 
Uh, yeah, it's a great part. I had so much fun doing it and then listening to it just brought me right back. So if I could pick another set of favorite moments uh, from this episode, that would be mine too. But now that Cyrus has been revealed to be alive and everyone's on the same page, the four of you have arrived at Amber Springs and you need to convince Eliza Valancourt to assist you if you want to have any hope, if you want to have any hope of bringing Peter O'Malley down. And I'm dying to see how that goes. So without further ado, let's move on in and listen to Series 9, Episode 15, Birds of a Feather. Enjoy! Greetings, I'm Clayton Sawyer. You may not have heard of me, but I'm one of the best bounty hunters in the Badlands. I got a few advantages, you see. First is sugar, Maache, and even though I only found her a few years back, my best friend. She was the runner for a herd and probably couldn't keep up and was cast out, and I know how that feels. So me and her bonded, and she grew up right with me stepping in as her daddy. The second edge I got, hunting bounties, is that I'm illuminated, and my abilities grant me an advantage that most of the nastiest outlaws ever got bountied can't compete with. The thing about being illuminated is that those same abilities that give me all those powers and advantages are also unsubtle to most folk. They can understand a gun or a knife, but they can't quite figure the threat someone like me might be to them. That's why me and Suge are always moving, hunting, and on to the next bounty, leaving people behind before they can make us get. One day, me and Sugar are going to pull in a big bounty, and we'll make enough to settle into our own homestead where we can be ourselves and ain't nobody going to try to drive us away again. We'll wrestle cattle, do some farming, and live a quiet life on our own little slice of the Badlands. You can call me Pops. Pops Mulligan. I see you're eyeing the preacher's garb. I'll tell you, this trench coat's seen me through more decades than I'd care to admit. I'll never forget the day they put it on me when I graduated seminary. My mother, saint that she was, sent me there to get educated. She spent nearly every spur she had, earned each one by the sweat of her brow cutting ice for Liberty City's well-to-do. I always figured I'd inherit the family business, but when I lost this finger to frostbite, she told me, Elliam, I don't want you working with those hands ever again. You're going to become a preacher. Good triptych woman, my mother. She'd have tanned my hide if she'd lived to see me become an undertaker. Still, there's something balanced about working with your hands and your mind in tandem. Helping those near to death pass over, laying them to rest with seeds from the tree of life, and tending to them as their spirit makes the air just a little bit easier to breathe. I've been undertaking in Liberty City since, oh, back before the Battle of Waypoint. Back then I was still a husband and a father. My son grew up to be an executive in the business sector. I never really did understand his job exactly. Buried him just a couple of years back. I aimed to make the man who put him in the ground hurt. I'm rambling, I can tell. <laughs> the trademark of being an old man, he just never seemed to be able to keep quiet. Alana's blessings to your friend. My name is Juliet Hunt, and I've been a drifter nearly my whole life. My parents were killed by bandits when I was far too young. I only survived because a gunslinger named Avery came along and rescued me. Being that I was an orphan, he took me under his wing and taught me to shoot like him, passed on the craft, like a father to a daughter. After Avery died, I drifted alone for a time, until happenstance brought me to Cyrus Finch. He's loud, flashy, full of cockamamie ideas, and occasionally a criminal. 
And I, I ain't any of those things. We ended up drifting together a long while and gotten to more than a few situations we never saw coming, including getting hitched. Like all drifters that live past their prime, we eventually hung up our irons and we settled down in a nice little town in the Badlands. Now, I ain't so retired that I won't oblige somebody who's in desperate need of a bullet. And Cyrus has to sate his itch to run a grift from time to time. But by our standards, it's a quiet kind of life. For a long while, it was a pleasant life. Until Cyrus up and disappeared without a word. Now, he ain't the most communicative individual. But I just got this gut feeling that something ain't right. And Avery taught me better than to ignore my gut. So I've closed up shop, took up my irons, and set out drifting again. My Cyrus is out there somewhere, and I'm gonna find him. And when I do, oh boy, he better be in need of saving. Otherwise, he's in trouble. Step right up, folks. Take a gander. Don't shove. You can call me Dr. Cyrus Finch, because that's the name on the medical license. I've got the miracle tonics you need to cure the ailments you don't, all available at a rate you can afford. Trust me, I've crossed every mile of Manifest solving all manner of problems, from gangrene to gang wars. It's almost uncanny how I manage to find trouble every single place I go, but that's what I got my wife for. She's a real pistol, in more ways than one. Any problem I can't solve, she'll, well, she'll put a bullet in it. We're an unlikely pair, certainly, but we fell in love seeking a cure for that age-old plague of manifest, drifterism. Maybe I'll even kick the habit myself one day. But until then, I got a two-for-one special on vials of Doc Cyrus's analeptic hoop snake oil elixir. For you, only five spurs. What do you say? The last time we saw our drifters... Juliet had been reunited with her husband, Cyrus Finch, who had faked his own death with the help of a triptych undertaker known as Pops Mulligan. The four of them escaped Liberty City together, and Cyrus filled them in on an elaborate scheme he had to thwart Peter O'Malley, the leader of the O'Malley family. Cyrus's plan hinged around one thing, convincing a wealthy woman to exercise her control over a mine left to her by her late father. This wealthy woman is Eliza Valancourt, who was saved previously by Clayton and Juliet. The four of them then traveled towards Amber Springs, the home of Eliza Valancourt, so that they could talk to her and hopefully convince her of her uncle's collusion with O'Malley. The four of you now see Amber Springs on the horizon. It is an objectively beautiful settlement with a wide S-shaped main road that cuts through its center and a bubbling river running along its western border before forking a little ways to the south. Lush, healthy green hedges and tree lines break up the spaces between the buildings and above it all, elevated on a low, wide hill, is a gorgeous ivory-white manor. Two stories tall, with pristine white columns supporting spacious balconies, there's a tamped stone road leading up to its front porch. You can safely presume that that is Valancourt Manor. Hey, anybody want to guess where the Valancourts live? I'd say uh, I think it's in that house, house right there. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Tough crowd. Tough crowd. <laughs> That's kind of a stupid question. Of course they live there. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a stupid guy. You'll, you'll come to learn that. <laughs> Cyrus, before we just roll on on up there, now I'd be guessing that she'll be relatively okay with seeing us, considering the last time we saw her, we saved her life. Um, but uh, there ain't anything you haven't told us yet, is there? Yeah, I, su- I suppose there's uh, one more thing that's worth knowing about the situation. Uh, so... When I was working for O'Malley, I was kind of helping him out with the luminescence that he was digging up. And specifically, I was cooking stardust for him. What? I'm not proud of it, but it was make stardust or die. Drives a hard bargain, that O'Malley. So pure, I was um, processing luminescence into stardust. And, um, well, if he's got enough to waste on me... That means he has more than enough to do whatever he wants with that kind of raw power. Uh, And uh, if there's a live vein of raw luminescence under the control of this Eliza Valancourt, if we can trust her, I think she'll be happy to hear it. I don't think there's any doubt that we can trust her, but I get the feeling that she runs the same speed as you as far as uh, talking to people. So, uh... I don't think a ruse is particularly necessary. So I just need to be my charming self is what you're saying. I wouldn't have you any other way. <laughs> <laughs> well, with uh, righteousness on our side and fortune on hers, I don't see how we can lose. Ugh. Clayton rolls his eyes. <laughs> so you guys go riding into town? That we do. Okay. Uh, you walk down the curving main road of Amber Springs and uh, split off of it to get onto the tamped stone road that climbs up that hill towards the manor. As the slope kind of levels out and you're walking directly towards the manor for a stretch, you notice on either side of the road there are lush strawberry gardens. And there's a few workers that walk the rows between the plants pulling ripe berries. You do note that these workers are not indentured servants. They do not wear the ornate torque collars synonymous with servitude. And no one stops you as you uh, approach the large double front doors on the front porch of this manor. Cyrus walks haltingly, expecting to be stopped at any moment. <laughs> Sugar, no, those ain't yours. Yeah. You do- <laughs> Take a grit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you do get plenty of strange looks from the workers, but um, it seems like maybe the Valancourt Manor uh, accepts walk-ins, it would seem. Uh, So uh, no no guards are jumping out to stop you. Um, Some of the workers are definitely giving Sugar a wide berth, especially as she rummages into the nearest brush of berries, uh, uh, grabbing like a whole branch off of it with one bite. Sorry, folks. Uh, sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you get up to the large double doors. There's a uh, each door has a uh, an ornate heavy knocker. I will r- reach up and knock with with the knocker. I guess I don't know. Yeah, that seems fine. I I do that. <laughs> Sublimely navigated, Juliet. I adjust my ascot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a, a slight pause as you wait for the door to be opened and then you hear it click and it swings open and you are met with a familiar face. 
with a little bit of shock, you are standing across the threshold from a very well-dressed Roy Hampton. (laughs) 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 Wearing a suit to put Cyrus's uh, fancy clothes to shame. Immaculately tailored. His hands look freshly manicured. His hair beautifully clean. Face washed. And there on the breast of of his frock coat is a medal of honor that has the name of the sheriff of glenspire on it roy oh hell come on man (laughs) (laughs) legendary outlaw roy hampton know your bounty's up to 1500 now right yeah, okay, but like you got your 800, and I figured that makes a square. I'm with you. Oh, thank <laughs> God, man. <laughs> and uh, I, I put my hand out. I mean, the bounty part's real, but. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, f- I figured. I, I shake his hand. Well, c- come on in. What are y'all doing here? <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, I have a question. What are you doing here? I mean, I can guess at what you're doing here, but how did it come to pass that you are here? Oh, well, you know, I I served what I thought was a fair amount of time for my crimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got my bike out of Inpound, and I, I headed to sort of the only safe haven I could think of, um, Eliza's house. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gathering we know this man. <laughs> Roy, you turn and, uh, you know, a bit older than he was in the picture Juliet showed you, but standing there next to her is uh is her husband cyrus finch oh hey you you found your husband so um what you guys are here to relax kick it just sort of <laughs> spend the day in luxury before you head home is that it well no not exactly no i'm sorry we ain't been formally introduced i've seen a picture of you uh mr finch my name is roy hampton legendary outlaw Uh, Dr. Finch. Nice to meet you, Roy. Doctor, I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, Mr. Hampton, my name is uh, Pops Mulligan. Pleased to meet you. There's just a little vein uh, down, uh, like, uh, Juliet's forehead as as Roy and and Cyrus are speaking to each other. That's just, like, (laughs) popping out just a little bit. Legendary outlaw, huh? That's a, that's a pretty nice title too. Well, you know, I do what I do what I can, and I, I'm so sorry, Father. It is it has been too long since I've been to church. I say as I, I shake Pop's Mulligan's hand. <laughs> oh well, yeah, I'm sure you'll come back to the fold before you know it. I, uh, you, you know, maybe. Who knows? Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> and Roy leads you in off the porch into a beautiful. A room uh, with an immaculate chandelier, large paintings on the walls, a sweeping staircase with red velvety uh, velvety looking steps, and uh, walking out of a a large high-roofed hallway, dressed to the nines, is Eliza Valancourt. Uh, Her hair pulled back, her bangs curled. She comes around saying, Who is at the door, Roy? Uh, Oh, that's just not fair, Mr. Sawyer. Roy told me what he did for you. Well, you know, 1500's kind of hard to turn down. Clayton. 1500? <laughs> I just sort of smile at Cyrus because I can tell this is getting to him. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Valancourt, uh, we ain't here for Roy. He he did us a very 
a very large kindness and uh but we are here to speak with you if uh if uh you have the time for us she looks around and goes uh, of course um this is my uh husband cyrus uh and uh this is pops mulligan pleased to meet you I step forward and I stick out my hand. Uh, Dr. Cyrus Finch, uh, at your service. A pleasure to meet you, of course, Ms. Valancourt. You watch as she soaks in your tattoo-riddled body, your dyed green hair, your smarmy swagger, and she just smiles all teeth at you and goes, The pleasure's all mine, Mr. Finch. Dr. Finch. <laughs> she doesn't correct herself as she <laughs> as she takes takes your hand and gives you a little curtsy. Uh and she says, "Let's let's sit down, have a have some tea." Uh and she pulls a a rope uh nearby the uh the wall and a bell rings and another door opens up leading into this like lobby area and a very very old man comes out, older than you, Pops. This guy's uh pushing mid to late 80s. He, he comes walking around. He is uh, dressed in a black and white tailcoat. And you see that he does have an ornate torque around his neck um, uh, as he walks in. And she goes, Philip, would you be a deer and boil some water for our guests? And he goes, of course, Miss Valancourt. And uh, he turns and moves into another room. And you actually notice as he turns, the back of his torque collar has been augmented to have a hinge so that it can be removed, which is not common for an indentured servant. And she goes, uh, this way, we'll, we'll use the front room. And uh, she walks you down another beautiful hallway with statues and beautiful long rugs reminiscent of the one that Giles Farthing recovered from Anastasia. Uh, she turns to the right through a large doorless archway into a gorgeous sitting room with... Uh, antique furniture a large fireplace and beautiful like floor-to-ceiling windows looking out at the strawberry fields sit wherever you like i do that is there a recliner type chair that i can partake in uh yeah it's right by the fireplace perfect nice and cozy (laughs) don't you look a sight pops (laughs) and eliza sits down on a uh beautifully crafted love seat and invites roy to sit down next to her as she addresses the whole room i mean of course i do i remain standing uh first uh, mr sawyer do i need to send someone to look after sugar does she need to be fed and bathed or or uh anyone's mounts uh uh if if you brought sadie along uh ms hunt i did she would she could use some karen if you like or if you've got a mechanic on hand, I suppose you could take a look at Squeaky as well, if that would be all right. I'm sure Sugar would love a bath and some food. Uh, she might have gotten into some of your strawberries, though. Uh, I apologize. Oh, please, please don't apologize. She can eat her fill. She's earned it, I'm sure. That's a dangerous offer, Miss Valancourt. <laughs> <laughs> she, she smiles at that and says, A risk I'm willing to take. Uh, as she says that, Philip... The old housekeeper walks in, pushing a, a tray ahead of him with a with a beautiful uh, uh, tea set, and he pours some tea, sets it down, uh, slides it over so it's easily accessible by everybody, uh, and turns to uh, Eliza, who says, "Thank you so much, Philip. Um, could you have uh, a few people look after uh, our guests' mounts? Uh, one is Anache, and 
and quite fearsome looking, but she's as sweet as sugar. Uh, Clayton smiles at that. As you wish, Ms. Valancourt. And he slowly makes his way out of the door. She goes, thank you so much, Philip. And uh, turns back and she goes, he is a marvel, that man. Refuses to rest, ever. But what does bring you to my doorstep? Well, uh, if uh, I may be so bold, I have some business to talk with you. Cyrus reaches forward, uh, picks up one of the teacups, uh, reaches into his vest pocket to uh, to maybe get a vial of whiskey that thinks better of it and just drinks the tea. I have some information that I think uh, you might be interested in. She sits there letting you finish uh, talking and then uh, like nods a little bit thinking. And then she turns to Juliet expectingly. Go on, Cyrus. Tell her, don't stand on ceremony. Just get it out. (laughs) (laughs) It's a delicate process, okay? I I don't do a lot of information brokering, so... Right, but like, she's not paying us. We need something from her, so just like... yet, she's not. Y'all know we can hear you, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Roy, I know you can hear us. Yeah, Eliza's just sitting there grinning at the mayhem she's caused with nothing other than a look. (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh appearing to compose themselves uh cyrus (laughs) is right back into it you're familiar no doubt with the mine that you own in constance grove currently under the stewardship of your uncle yes uncle nate opened the mine back up about two years ago i'm familiar with my own assets so what your uncle nate uh told you uh that he's um mining from that asset. Uh, pyrithium, right? Uh, yes. The Wrong! Not pyrithium. <laughs> <laughs> Let me work, Juliet. Uh. Inside that mine is not pyrithium at all. The yield is faked. What's actually going on, crew of uh, indentured servants and prisoners of the family are pulling out raw luminescence from that mine for none other than Peter O'Malley and his gang. She sits there for a little bit, looks at Roy, looks to Juliet and Clayton, and she goes, Mr. Finch. Sips tea. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have my medical license with me, so uh, I can't just, like, whip it out. (laughs) (laughs) That is quite a thing to imply, that my uncle has not only lied to me, but has been working with the family she looks to Roy again to see if he like he knows something that she doesn't. Uh, hold on, I might. I'm gonna use my Pinkerton talent here real quick. <laughs> yeah, that's three hits on that. All right. What three questions are you choosing? Certainly, one of them is what's being concealed here. No one in this room is concealing anything uh, from yourself or your friends. You know that some of your friends are concealing things from each other a little bit. Uh, Cyrus probably wants something from Eliza. You think he, you don't know this guy very well, but you know his type a little bit. And you know for a fact that Eliza doesn't play the prim and proper noble woman unless she wants to mess with someone. So she's, uh, she's currently toying with Cyrus. Uh, for her amusement by making him have to, like, stand on ceremony. Are there any threats I haven't identified yet? Uh, No, there are no threats. Well, seeing where this is going, you know that uh, there's going to be some trouble down the road somewhere (laughs) after this conversation. Right, it's sort of a Schrodinger's threat scenario. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, I don't need the last question. I will uh, turn to Eliza and, I mean, I don't know anything about this. He's certainly telling the truth about that. I think he wants something other than what he's saying. <coughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I can hear everything you're saying. <laughs> I've come here, uh, your guest, to provide information to you, uh, important information. One of your assets is now flush with resources and is bleeding them off to a criminal. The family, no less. I'm going to try to gauge uh, Roy and Eliza's reaction to that, to the family. Okay. Yeah, Eliza's definitely, like, trying to be coy and conceal her reactions and control them to you, so uh, you can try to resist her manipulation with discipline to try to get a clear read on her. I'm more of a playing-the-player kind of person. <laughs> All right, well, with playing-the-player, uh, you can roll manipulate to resist manipulate, so go ahead. Uh, Roy, are you trying to hide your reaction to to him bringing up the family and trying to, like, prod and, re and read you, or are you just kind of laying out your cards? No, I kind of figure that Juliet and Cyrus have a marriage where they communicate and talk to each other. And so <laughs> the ability for me to hide anything from him, surely she's shared sort of what <laughs> I've told her. And, and so I, I don't feel any need to conceal my distaste for the family. I have a five high. <laughs> <laughs> you you scan the room and you look at Eliza Valancourt and she remains composed. Uh, you think that she is a very proper lady. Uh, the way she's sitting, the the posture, uh, the way she uh, uh, she speaks. Um, uh, you're dealing with a noble woman through and through. You know the play you got to do to deal with uh, with people who who just care about money. Uh, and then glancing over at Roy, you see a young man who has leaned very heavily into the uh, to the clothing, much much like you did with the the clothing you chose. Uh, he's it's almost like a caricature the way he is dressed and you and you surmise judging by the fact that you know a little bit about what went down on the train ride to waypoint uh, that coupled with the bounty and the fact that his hand squeezes very tightly when you almost for a second seem to be implying that maybe he's family friendly uh, <laughs> you can easily read that uh, he has no love for the family if not specifically peter o'malley's family and do you know what the family is doing with your luminescence my lady he's turning it into stardust and he's making a killing your uncle is selling your raw luminescence to the family who is turning it into drugs of all things I'm sure I don't need to tell you how lucrative a resource in the right hands that luminescence could be. Uh, you can go ahead and roll manipulate. <laughs> I got an 11 high. Uh, she's got a 10 high. That's one net hit. Ah, uh, hell. Let's twist that knife. All right. Let's make it two. Uh, so you spend some grit, get an extra hit, and she sits there for a second, and you watch as... She leans back in the chair and relaxes her posture just slightly. And all of a sudden you, you like, it's like you, that subtle movement, you watch as the facade of a noble woman just drops away. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she like kind of leans there and she, she like, like chews on uh, her lip for a second as she's thinking. So I wore this ascot for nothing. You look very handsome. It is quite the thing to see. <laughs> she says, Great. Yeah, I take the ascot off. <laughs> <laughs>
but she crosses her arms and says, I, I can tell you believe what you're saying, but it doesn't make any sense. Uncle Nate was, has always been kind and, and loving to me. I don't know why he would have such duplicity. He's been a perfect uncle my whole life. Perhaps if he is in league with the family, which seems like a stretch, but perhaps he's been coerced and he would need our help. That is how the family tends to operate. It's easier to strong arm than it is to convince someone to turn them away from their regular path. She sits there and nods and says, Oh, Uncle Nate, what have you gotten yourself into? This O'Malley, I've, I've heard whispers of him before. I'm, I'm, I'm no stranger to the the family and, and what evils they can enact. And your mention of Stardust does have me troubled. I attended a ball not too long ago, and there were plenty of people who were using. Getting, getting loose, I think, is what they say. I don't think they say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they don't say getting loose anymore? <laughs> I'm 68 years old, and I know that's not what they say anymore, Dr. Finch. <laughs> well, I, I've not forgotten the kindness uh, of you, Juliet, or you, Clayton, and and uh, Father, I, I do not know you, but I am a devout triptych myself. I don't imagine you'd come here trying to lead me astray. She sits there for a second longer. Well, then there's nothing else to it. I, I must go to Constance Grove and confront my uncle. Do I know anything that contradicts her story? Like, uh, do I know anything about Nate Valancourt's activity that, like, contradicts her? Or is it possible that he's been coerced? Uh, what little information you were able to glean through conversations and picked pockets, you were not able to pick up anything specific about whether or not Nathaniel Valancourt is trapped in this arrangement or willingly a, a part of it. Well, Miss Valancourt, I don't know anything about whether your uh, uncle is in this business by choice or by force, but I know that you're not safe as long as he's in it. As long as you have legal claim to that mine, Peter O'Malley's going to be after you. I heard he sent people to kidnap you. She straightens up at that and looks to Juliet and Clayton and goes, The, the Waldens. You're, he's referring to the Walden brothers? I don't know who I'm referring to, but uh, did they try to kidnap you recently? Yes, I believe that, that they were sent by Peter O'Malley or his associates. You see her jaw tense a little bit. And she goes, well, then it's best to remedy this situation. How about we uh, hit the road today, now even, and make our way to Constance Grove. It's less than a week's ride to the north. We'll just go and, and speak to my uncle. Oh, oh, hold on. Just just a minute. Now, I could see the good father, out of the kindness of his heart, wanting to disrupt the drug trade, get those drugs off the street. I could even see Juliet. Just want to do the right thing, get the drugs out of those those people's systems and get them free of that poison. And Clayton, I bet if you if you paid him, he would do just about anything. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Pops kind of scoffs at that. Mr. French, I don't rightly see how disrupting this arrangement helps you, which leads me to question, why do you want to do this? I look Roy uh, up and down. You're an insightful guy. I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that. So, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. What did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> well, truth be told, uh, 
to some extent, the drug trade is my trade. But uh, and I roll like my sleeves up, and uh, on some somewhere I have a tattoo on me that says uh, "Do no harm." I think it's on my like left arm, and I so I roll my sleeves up and point to that, and like, but I am a doctor, Miss Valancourt. And O'Malley flooding the streets with stardust and the family moving into the drug trade, it's going to hurt a lot of people. And while I appreciate being in business, uh, I much prefer the uh, natural kind of medicine. Me and O'Malley got a history, and I have a vested interest in taking him down. I can tell from the looks of you that uh, you've got no love for the family either. I think... uh, if you want to look for someone to fight with, I don't think it's me. Uh, legendary outlaw Roy Hampton. I uh, I look at Eliza and I, I say, see, this is this is what I'm talking about. Like, I get it. You got to play the game when you're in the nobility. You want you trying to put them on their back foot. I understand why you go through the charade and sort of the facade and the mind games and the etiquette, but like, this is the thing with grifters. They talk in circles when you could have just come in here. I say, turn into Cyrus and told me you wanted to kill the head of the O'Malley family. And I would have said, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Roy, shake my goddamn hand. (laughs) That's a beautiful sight. I shake his hand. (laughs) Eliza smiles at that, winks at Juliet. (laughs) I hate everything that's going on right now. (laughs) Yeah, watch out, Juliet. Maybe I'll marry this guy. (laughs) That's very kind I am spoken for. You are also spoken for. (laughs) That he is. And uh, Eliza stands up and takes Roy's arm and says, The family is dangerous. I'm no fool. We're going to have to come up with some kind of plan for, for how to approach my uncle. If he's in duress, he's probably being watched. And if he's being watched, then we have to be careful on how we approach. I don't want to give him warning of our, of our arrival. That will give the family time to take actions against us, especially if they're so bold as to try and kidnap me from a high-speed rail. Now, I don't need a reason to go and visit my uncle, and, but we should have a plan. We should know what we're aiming to achieve by, by speaking with him. Because as, as soon as we play our cards, the family will react. A plan, huh? Some kind of cover story, maybe? If I were to go and speak to my uncle under the guise of wanting to be more hands-on with the mine, uh, then that would give me plenty of reason to inspect it and, and verify exactly what's going on down there. I do think you believe what you're saying, but... If I'm going to put myself and my uncle in danger, or I'm going to confront him at all on this, I'd like to see proof first. The mine is my lawful property. He cannot stop me from going to visit it. Now, that won't be too hard of a sell because I was just in the Badlands, and I could say, spin some story about how the, the noble, hardworking people of the Badlands inspired me to, to learn more about the mining process. And of course, Miss Valancourt... You were recently kidnapped. Probably be in your best interest to have security with you. That accounts for yourself and and Juliet, surely. But she looks Cyrus up and down and says, 
I'm not certain my uncle would believe that uh, Mr. Finch or uh, Father Mulligan would be on that detail. Oh, please call me Pops. Everybody does. As you wish, Pops. You mean your mining consultants? She raises an eyebrow and says, do either of you know anything about mining? Well, nobody should know that uh, any finches are with you. That's for certain. Uh, but I know everything about everything, so... Well, and I know quite a bit about everything myself. All right. And she sits there thinking for a second. She looks over at Roy and says, Roy, dear. Yeah? You know I do so much love your company, she says, giving you a flirty glance. Oh, believe me, I do. I don't think it would be best if legendary outlaw Roy Hampton showed up at the door of another Valancourt so soon after escaping from custody. My thoughts exactly. <laughs> Though you can keep to the shadows quite well, and if we're going to act against O'Malley, then it might be good to have eyes on his operation in Liberty City. You could go there and stick to the shadows, keep your ear to the ground, and if there's any talk of kidnapping Eliza Valancourt again, I'd like to have some forewarning. See, this is why you're the brains of the operation. That's a great plan. <laughs> Cyrus, could I have a quick word with you? Just right over here. Oh, always. Now, you know I love your plans. Oh, is that all you wanted to say to me? Uh, no, honey. <laughs> um, but remember we talked about how your plans always start out like onions uh and there's like many many layers and it takes a lot of working moving pieces and and such and and their glorious tapestry of onioniness i agree this plan is definitely too simple as it stands um so here's the thing <laughs> remember how we talked about how we should think more like apples or like oranges where it's like there's like one big plan with like a like a seed in the middle that we're trying to get to or like maybe wedges that like are separated and then we're trying to like get all the wedges to the seeds right and not so much many many layers but sort of a plan we can all know all of the details to and then we can all work towards those seeds together i cyrus is nodding <laughs> he's like i'm nodding I'm nodding, but uh, just lay this one out for me. <laughs> Sweetie, I love you so much, but um, just so we're clear, this is not the grift of a lifetime. Don't make this very, very complicated because we have gone up against Peter O'Malley before and we have both had to pretend to die in order to get away from him. I don't think he's going to fall for it a third time. <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's maybe come up with a clear, simple plan. You can have a grift in it, for sure. We could all pretend to be something with a giant red bull thing. We could paint. We could paint sugar brown. It'd be exciting. And um, but I just want to make sure that like we ain't going crazy. At the end of this, Peter O'Malley is dead, and his operation is over. That is the goal, right? It yes. ain't to trick him and embarrass him and then kill him if we can just kill him, right? Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. And we're we're clear on this. You understand? You know, I just want him I just want him to know he's going to die before he dies, you know? Just like mm, just like a 
I'll be sure to kill him in a way where he has to take a last breath first, okay? Okay, that's fair. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. All right. All I right. love you. <laughs> I love you too. All right, Ms. Valancourt. We'll visit your uncle's mine, you and your security and your mining consultants. But if and when we uh, retrieve the uh, the usage and ownership of this mine and its full capacity to you, its rightful and lawful owner, I don't think it's outside of consideration for some kind of finder's fee to 10% to be in order. <laughs> Mr. Finch, are you applying for a stake in my mining operation? Yes. She opens her mouth for like a second and then stops and looks to like Juliet and looks to Clayton. And Roy, you know that for a second she's thinking about what you told her when you were telling her why you let yourself be arrested by the sheriff's office uh, so that Juliet and Clayton could get that bounty that would help them. And she kind of looks to you like making eye contact and you see like those gears working in her head. And she turns back towards Cyrus and goes, 10% sounds perfectly fair for all that your family has done for me. I stick out my hand like so fast. (laughs) (laughs) And if I'm lying, Juliet will shoot me in the head for you. (laughs) She uh, uh, she shakes your hand and goes, can we get that in writing? <laughs> I think I have it tattooed on my body somewhere, actually. <laughs> then it is settled. We will go and speak to my uncle, and I will tell him I am interested in, in learning more about the mine and having a more hands-on role, and that will provide us access so that I can verify your story, and we can make sure we're not acting on speculation here or, or fractions of information. Once we've verified it, we'll do whatever it takes to, to help my uncle extricate himself from the influence of the family, and we will properly take back this mine. If, if Mr. O'Malley was so concerned with me reclaiming ownership, then going straight to the mine is the best thing for us to do. I have a question, though, uh, Father. Uh, yes, how can I assist? Uh, I notice you're, uh, you're an undertaker. I am. I, for the life of me, can't think of a reason why an undertaker would be assisting me in, uh, in looking through the mine. It feels rather macabre to be bringing one down there with me. Is there any chance we could augment your patch? May you look, make you look like a doctor of the triptych faith? Well, I don't see why not. That should be an, an easy swap. Something I'm very familiar with, so I could fabricate it for you. I'm not too, uh... Too bad with a needle and thread myself. Hmm. I had to learn growing up. Might as well put it to some use. Allow me to draw you up a design. All right. That will give us something to work on on the way. Well, let's go interrupt Sugar and Sadie's bath then. I would like to hit the road as soon as possible. The quicker I figure out exactly what's happening, the better. By all means. A woman of business. I like that. Pops uh, reaches down and cranks the the lever on the recliner and starts to get up. <laughs> Allow me to help you, Father. Uh, no, no, don't help me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get going. What do you say? As you guys are, are getting ready to leave, uh, uh, you walk by the elderly Philip, who is 
polishing an urn in the uh, the main lobby. Eliza goes, Philip, I'm going to be away for some time. Mind, uh, tend to the house for me, will you? Of course, Mrs. Valancourt. And do, please, relax from time to time. Consider it an order. Oh, um, all right. I shall do my best, Miss Valancourt. I tap him on the shoulder and I, I point to his torque and I'm like, you know that, that thing comes off, right? Yes, it's a point of pride that I get to choose whether or not I wear it. Oh, okay. I, I was just saying, it looks very nice. I would take it off your hands if it was a problem. <laughs> she, he doesn't have a response for that. He's a little confused and she goes, uh, Mr. Finch, we must really be going. Right, no, I just... Great to meet you, Phil. Likewise, Mr. Finch. Doctor, but, you know, I'll show you the license. <laughs> hey, Roy. What's up? Uh, I know that you are highly capable and you don't need my advice or my help at all, but um, really do be careful. He ain't nobody to mess around with. He, was, he wasn't even going to let Cyrus's dead body out of Liberty City, so if he catches wind of what you're doing, you reach out, we'll come get you. I appreciate the concern, Juliet. Believe you me, I ain't one to pick a fight I can't win, especially on my own. Don't I know it? <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, you guys quickly gather your things, mount up, and begin the journey away from Amber Springs and to Constance Grove. Uh, Roy will be riding with you for about a day's time before he splits off to head more, uh, more directly east towards the city. And so that one day of travel is without any strife or anything like that. Uh, so let's go ahead and do a five-person shoot the shit while Roy is here. I, I just want to say that as, as soon as I get to Veronique, I will pull my... Uh, medical license off the off the wall and i will show it to everyone everyone look there it is doctor <laughs> i'm a doctor dr cyrus finch just thought everyone should know since there appears to be some confusion all right that's all thank you pops kind of rubs his uh his thumb on the ink and his uh it, it seems legitimate right illegitimate enough and gives it a little nod eliza will lean in looking at it uh and she'll go you got your doctorate at a remarkably young age, Mr. Finch. Oh, uh, uh, oh, you know, I should really, I should change that. I should. Thank you. Yeah, it must be a misprint. She smiles and nods. Happy to help. And yeah, you guys travel northeastward. And uh, who does everyone want to do shoot the shit with? Clayton's going to pick uh, Pops again. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick legendary outlaw Roy Hampton. Uh, I'll go for Eliza Valancourt. I'll go ahead and pick Pops. Uh, I will pick Doctor Cyrus Finch. <laughs> okay, everyone, go ahead and roll. I am going to spend two grit to add dice to my roll. <laughs> okay, I will spend my last grit to make my own luck on this, <laughs> and I will spend one to uh, play to the gallery. And who would like to go first? Uh, I'll I'll go first. I'll go first. I got uh, I have two hits on uh, legendary outlaw Roy Hampton. Okay, so that means Roy, you get to learn something about Cyrus. Uh, I think we um, we break for lunch at some point. You know, a quick lunch, not a not a long one. We're on the move. We're in a hurry. But I'll take this opportunity to uh, take my seat next to Cyrus, and I'll sit there quietly. I'll start eating, and then. 
just casually. So, grift of a lifetime, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Cyrus uh, puts his spoon down slowly and turns to Roy. Oh, yeah, the grift of a lifetime, my friend. I gave the family and my father. <laughs> I gave him a jolt they will never forget. Oh, it is a tale. So, my father, not my dad. My father is a family man. Uh, I, I ran away from that life real early. But uh, time came that I uh, had to sneak a sister into Freedom City. Uh, not too different from your situation, really. Uh, fell in with a rich kid. <laughs> Lucky gal. Uh, mother of my niece, I guess. But in order to do that, had to get out of the family's clutches there. And it was magnificent. Uh, all the story beats that, that you would want, like, uh, you know, I got my muscle sneaking into my dad's house and replacing his bullets with blanks and and uh i i you know we faked juliet's death and we we you know we got a we got that was actually uh that was our first time we got married actually because you know marriage is very sacred in the family so tricking my dad into thinking he murdered my wife was you know was a very important part of the whole process yeah you know how it goes you know you 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 break into family territory they seize you up you convince them that you can <laughs> synthesize stardust from nothing they buy it <laughs> trick your dad into murdering your wife uh make a big show of, of grieving reveal that you know your your dad needs to be uh kicked out of the family so they kick him out you know Really, really, ultimately, like a very simple plan. Juliet, she doesn't. She she always razzes me about how complicated the plan was, but really, it was quite simple. It was just uh, you know to show my father what it meant to be alone. Well, that that sounds like a hell of a grift, Cyrus. I'll never top it. I'll never top it. But believe me, I try every day. <laughs> <laughs> And Roy, you also picked Cyrus, and how many hits did you get? Having made my own luck, I got six hits. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so the two of you bond. What do you bond over? <laughs> so you were, you were, you had your muscle in the bedroom of a high-ranking family member, and you switched out his bullet for, for blanks, but you, you had your guy, your guy was in the, the bedroom, that's where... That's where people sleep, Cyrus. You know how easy it is to kill a guy who's asleep? <laughs> well, he wasn't there, and I didn't want my father to die. I wanted him to suffer. And, and surely now you're, you're, you're free of, of him and his influence. Yeah, I actually don't know what he's up to. Probably wandering the Badlands. Huh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Cyrus, can I just point out that you are sort of, it appears... Still entangled with the family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, turns out O'Malley wasn't super happy with, uh, you know, me pulling the wool over his eyes on that one. Uh, he, he figured out that I couldn't make Stardust from nothing, but he figured out I could make it from something. So when time came, you know, he had me picked up, stored me in his lab where I took that luminescence he's been pulling out and, well, 
It was under duress, but, you know, I helped him a little bit. And I ain't proud of that. But I promised him, not to his face, I promised him I'd uh, save the last bullet for Juliet. Well, I mean, listen, I, I, I get it. You got a gun to your head. You got to do what you got to do to survive. All I'm saying is, you know, if you pull the wool over their eyes, they're real easy to shoot in the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, legendary outlaw Roy Hampton. I, I liked you from the moment I saw you. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your eyes go wide at that 1500 spur bounty. I'm just, I'll let you sort of infer based on this conversation where that come from. I, there's only a few organizations on this planet that can really uh, um, afford a 1500 uh, spur bounty. So I, t- I tell you I see the last bullet for Juliet, but if I ever th- see an opportunity to get an arrow in O'Malley's neck, I'll give you a call. Here's the thing. For it to really be the Roy Hampton special, I can't know it was you, Cyrus. I don't know how that's going to track with what I know of you. <laughs> but maybe you can get him in like the leg and then he can really like you know bleed out for a while or like nah see this is what I'm saying this is what I'm saying (laughs) grifters you always you got you got eyes bigger than your hands you just kill a man (laughs) so he's dead all right (laughs) and we and we go back and forth uh, long into lunchtime about all the differing ways in which we would kill Peter O'Malley (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and then you guys continue on the way. And at the end of uh, a day, about a day's travel, uh, you reach a, a fork in the path. And Roy is going to have to start heading east to get, go to, um, to Liberty City and begin shadowing Peter O'Malley. And uh, before he goes, you guys kind of stop for a minute. And, and Eliza like, pulls Roy in for a kiss. Before we part, uh, I flick out my wrists. And my, my collapsible uh, repeater hand crossbow flicks into it. And I hand it to Eliza. I say, you seen the... I, I showed you how to do this. This was my Mama Helen's. It's a flick, and then you fire. You ever get into trouble, you just keep shooting until there ain't trouble. All right? That and stand behind Juliet, she says, flicking the... Uh, uh, practicing the flicking motion to make the collapsible... Or to make the crossbow come out. And she goes... You be safe. Oh, don't you worry. I'm coming back. And I kiss her again. (laughs) (laughs) Reminds me of a young me. Uh, Mr. Hampton pops, sticks out his hand for a shake. I uh, look forward to seeing you again and speaking with you and perhaps hearing about your legend from somebody else's mouth besides yours. Well, that's the thing, Father. I never tell anyone the legend of Roy Hampton, merely that there is one, and I shake your hand. <laughs> uh, Clayton sticks out his hand to shake. I eye that hand. Is there handcuffs around? <laughs> <laughs> his other hand is not behind his back. It's in the open just at his side. So unless Clayton got particularly good at palming, which, you know, he has cheating powers, so he might. Uh <laughs> He, he doesn't appear to have handcuffs handy at this exact moment. All right, I, I shake his hand. You hear a click. Oh, come on now, Clayton. You gotta, you can't. This can't be our thing. <laughs> I, let, I let go and show him the two spurs I have it palmed. All right. You, I'll admit, you got me pretty good. 
<laughs> hey, you can forever tell everyone you meet you are the only bounty hunter to ever catch legendary outlaw Roy Hampton. Take care, Roy. Stay out of trouble. But if you're going to get into trouble, get that bounty a little bit higher, bud. I'll see what I can do, Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll pat sugar on the face and I'll say, hey, I sent you crush a man into a fine powder. You keep him safe out there. <laughs> hey, Roy, before you go, I lean in real close. Is Badlands Pete real? <laughs> well, Cyrus, that's just something you're going to have to decide for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so just so we're clear, this ain't goodbye. I will see you again. I most assuredly hope it is without Clayton at your side. <laughs> we're on the same page on this one i'm coming back good then it's settled get out of here losing time oh my god juliet hunt do you like me as a person <laughs> <laughs> i'll hop on my motorcycle and drive away before you can answer <laughs> no and you guys still have a few days ride between that point and constance grove so who else would like to go for shoot the shit uh as we're riding along i'll pull up sugar next to pops Uh, how many hits did you get i got one hit ah so pops you get to learn something about clayton hey father so i've been thinking about what you said a couple days ago when we were talking Uh uh-huh I don't much appreciate you judging me. Oh, you don't? Is that a fact? Those people I turn in, those people I hunt down, they do the same to me in a heartbeat. I've been ran out of town more times than I can count. Why should I show any compassion to them when nobody shows me any? I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm illuminated. Uh, Pops' eyes kind of widen. And I don't make friends too easy because of it. So, before you want to keep on judging me, maybe you should know a little bit more about me. Maybe see why I don't care when about your scriptures and your rules and your quote-unquote righteousness. I can understand that. Uh, you see me as a man who operates mostly on instinct. Is that right, Mr. Sawyer? Well, going off how you're judging me, I'd say so. It's not about judgment, necessarily. You're just a little off balance, I think. Uh, no, you don't too much care for my scriptures, but I'll tell you, my uh, my faith may not be perfect, but it guides me along the right path. There's a story or two that might apply to your situation. Yeah, what are those? Well, the perfect one, Alana, she um didn't become perfect immediately, She had to live through an entire life just to achieve perfection in her own way. You're still on a path, Mr. Sawyer. You haven't gotten to the end yet. You're not the uh, person who will be at the end of it. Logically, you say you've uh, never been treated with kindness? Now, I just don't believe that. There's not a single person in the world who has treated you like a person. Well, obviously, these folks here I'm traveling with... There might be one or two others. I never stick around long enough for them to run me out anymore. 
but these folks have, and uh, you've learned a thing or two about them just by shitting with them, talking with them. I mean, obviously, even uh, the legendary outlaw Roy Hampton, you've, you seem to have uh, gotten a friendly relationship with him. Is that right? That's true. Even insisted I turned him in so I could get the bounty. Well, through her travels, uh, the more people Alana met and uh, talked with, spoke with, even for a period she was an ascetic, talking to no one, speaking to no one, basically hermitizing. But once she started meeting people, she had more of a frame of reference to compare to herself. Don't just assume someone's trying to run you out of town, my friend. Give them a chance to prove that they're that type of person, maybe, before you outright murder them. That's all I have to say. Instead of being just like them and going all the offense? You're a lot more logical than you come off. Maybe your scriptures do got something. We'll tell you what. And uh, Pops reaches into his triptych coat, one of the one of the bottom pockets. Why don't I just hand this off to you? You can take a look at it. Decide do you want to read it all the way through, or you can give it back to me at any time. And uh, Pops hands him the verity of righteousness. Clayton takes it. I'll give it a read. Thanks. If you decide you want the other two, you just let me know. There's two more? they're quick reads trust me if you put your mind to it well let's start with one see how that goes and then pops you uh you leave clayton to it and to his credit he does uh along the trail kind of open up that book and page through it a little bit uh but pops you chose eliza for shoot the shit i sure did and how many hits did you get i got two net hits so eliza gets to learn something about you uh, a little later down the uh, trip, you and Eliza are working together as she is sewing a uh, a patch to put over your Undertaker's patch. It is the intricate uh, geometric symbol uh, that represents the doctor of the triptych faith. And she's working on it and, and getting your input. And um, uh, she, you know, you guys are having some small talk and then she continues it going, it is curious to me, Father. I, I'm familiar with... Clayton and Juliet and the kind of trouble they get into. And Cyrus seems to be a a look down the road for what I might be able to expect with Roy at some point. But uh, I don't quite see how you fit in with this band of misfits. This, uh, I'm, I'm surprised to see, to see them traveling with uh, a man of faith and for you to be coming along. It makes me feel like there might be something to this. What, or what has put you with such strange companions for a preacher? Well, my intention certainly uh, wasn't to continue with this crew too much outside of uh, too much outside of Liberty City. Uh, the original plan when I started speaking with uh, with Doctor Finch was simply for him to uh, use his compound, uh, simulate death, get him out, and uh, then he could be free on his way. But he learned a thing or two while he, while he was imprisoned with the O'Malley's and. Well, just seem to strike home. Oh, I always thought that the relationship between a, a a preacher and a man was for the preacher to do the teaching. What is it that Mr. Finch taught you? Well, the uh, only reason he was imprisoned in the first place, as you know, is to simulate a drug called uh, stardust. And well, I've seen <laughs> I've seen uh, the effects a drug like that can have on a community. Never was stardust itself, mind you. That's a, a little bit above most folks' pay grade, but um, well, not not too long ago, my son uh, came into 
just a bit of a fortune. He started his own his own business with the help of his mother, earned enough money to pick up a habit or two, and one of them did him in, unfortunately. She uh, sits there nodding for a second, and she goes, I can imagine it'd be hard to continue preaching in a city run by a man who puts such poison into people for a profit. It certainly is, and uh, especially a man who has put so much money into the pockets of my own colleagues. It's a, it's a hard system to fight the family, I'll, I'll say that much. If I were in your position, I don't think I would have been so patient as to wait for the opportunity to have allies as you do. So that is a credit to you, sir, and I'm happy to have you here with us. I only hope that I can be useful in ending this. She looks to the shoulder-mounted laser you got, and she goes, Does that thing work? What, this old thing? Uh, I uh, look left, look right, the laser follows my gaze. Yeah. Then you'll be plenty helpful. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Juliet, who did you pick? Uh, I picked Padre. And how many hits did you get? Uh, Two. Uh, So, Pops, you get to learn something about Juliet. As you guys are getting closer to Constance Grove, it's just a half day's ride away. The two of you are breaking down camp together. So I'll uh, begin loading in everything into the van that uh, uh, after I pull up the, the stakes and start folding up the tents. Looks like we're just about ready to go. You ready to go, Padre? Just about. I've got a couple more things. Uh, you know, I've noticed as we've been traveling, uh, this... Uh, plaque here this veronique's vanguard now i've heard cyrus refer to (laughs) the van as veronique but uh, what are these names what is this in reference to he gestures to a worn down little metal plaque on the bumper of the van uh with seven names etched into it uh first two being juliet hunt and cyrus finch (laughs) that's that that's a first uh adventure i guess you'd call it that uh cyrus and i went on uh i had a little bit of a vendetta (laughs) against a a group of um very terrible men and uh cyrus and i collected a few people along the way and they uh helped me get resolution on that and we were able to save a lot of people from some very bad men. Battle compatriots of a sort. Something like that. We, uh, Cyrus and I, we used to pick up people and as we were driving around the Badlands and help them find their peace. And, and uh, it all started with them helping me find mine. And uh, the van was actually pretty much completely destroyed and, and we had to rebuild it. And uh, Cyrus got all sentimental and had everybody etch their name right there uh so we'd never forget as if we could forget but uh you know now it ain't so bad to look back and think of those people fondly especially those that uh ain't necessarily around anymore sounds like something right out of a novel mrs hunt you can call me juliet if you prefer juliet yeah i I tend to collect people wherever i go uh Actually, including some people that uh, I found on the way here. Maybe uh, when we get into Constance Grove, I'll uh, 
Make a stop at the LRC, see what they're up to. Well, we could use all the help we can get. And I assist her with finishing the packing and get us ready to get back on the road. All right. And then about half a day later, you catch sight of the settlement of Constance Grove. This settlement sits in stark contrast to the beauty of Amber Springs. It's smaller and less aesthetically pleasing. Scattered wooden structures of simple design climb up a steep, rocky slope, leading all the way up to a tall building that houses the mine. A covered footbridge ahead of you leads to the main strip of Constance Grove, uh, a line of about a dozen buildings on a path carved into the side of the landscape. Bare wooden walkways split off of that main path, climbing both up and down the slope of the settlement, one of which leads directly to the mine. On the southern slope of the town, there is a covered mine track that goes all the way down uh, to the several buildings that operate as a forge for the pyrithium that is mined here. And on the upper northern slope, uh, there is a large red brick building that stands alone. Its intricate Victorian architecture and sturdy construction sets it apart from all the other structures in Constance Grove. And as you guys kind of sit there and soak in the scene... Eliza points to that building and says, that's where my uncle lives. That's where we're heading. Well, then, uh, let's get what's mine. Uh, yours. <laughs> she, she doesn't make eye contact. It's like she's forcing herself not to turn her head and acknowledge what you just said. Her head just kind of turns slightly and she goes, shall we? <laughs> and, uh, and she clicks her tongue uh, to get her horse to continue trotting forward. And that's where we'll end our session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions, all rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is affiliated with and specifically approved by Tommy Cotton. Manifest, the RPG, is property of Tommy Cotton, all rights reserved. For more information, go to www.manifesttherpg.com.